What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product, and user experience. We interview founders and builders to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. This show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant? Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. And I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io. That's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T dot I-O for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Polyant. Now on to today's show. Everyone, we are back uh, from quite a interesting start to 2020. Uh, welcome back to season three of Fork the Product. Uh, we, Zach and I, spent uh, about a week uh, last month at both ETH Denver and NFT.NYC and had, had a great opportunity to interview um 10 really great guests, had some really great conversations. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, here in a bit. But before we kick it off, uh, you know, the world the world has changed quite a bit. Um, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, people's health and safety and security uh, are at risk. And we want to kick this off by just saying that we hope everybody out there is healthy, that they're prioritizing loved ones and taking care of each other and showing some empathy toward our fellow humans as we all do our best to get through this really, really difficult time. Um, as, as much as it's difficult, uh, I, I, I believe that there's a light at the end of the tunnel um, and it's a matter of us all sticking together. So we hope everybody is safe. Amen to that. And I would add, I agree with everything Nick just said, but I would also add a slightly stern observation that is please follow the guidelines that the real professionals give out we should all remain socially distant and help bring this thing to an end so that we can all get back to normal life as soon as possible yes stay home (laughs) so with that i think we can move on to talking a little bit about some of our observations from both eth denver as well as nft.nyc and i think the first thing that came to my mind, and, and this was my first experience at ETH Denver, Nick had been there previously, so he'll be able to share some perspective on what it was like in comparison to the previous time. But from my point of view, you know, the, the biggest thing that I noticed was DeFi was everywhere. And I, to be honest, I was kind of looking forward to seeing a little bit more of a presence for crypto art. NFTs. And there was certainly some of that, but there was, it, it felt very much dominated by DeFi, uh, which. Yeah, DeFi uh, was definitely the theme. Yeah. And still very interesting, but uh, and I love DeFi and, and find it fascinating. But how about you, Nick? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I think we talked to four or five people that were working on DeFi projects. And I think the majority of the actual hackathon projects had something to do with DeFi. Um, it's interesting timing because, you know, now more than ever, um, you know, it's possible that things like DeFi are going to be 
mm-hmm. uh, either thrust into the spotlight and become even more relevant to what's going on in the world, um, or may tail off for a while as people kind of try to figure out what's what's going on with just doing simple things like paying the bills. Um, I did see that uh, Coinbase recently announced that they're integrating DeFi directly into yeah. uh, that their wallet. So you know, being able to access things like Compound from directly inside Coinbase, I think, is going to be a big boon to the the ecosystem around DeFi. Uh, so I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's a really exciting technology. I think the opportunity to really empower people financially um, is amazing. I think it's it's also <laughs> to some degree playing with fire. <laughs> um, you know, I think, and we won't get into the details, but while we were at ETH Denver, there was a pretty massive exploit um, where, you know, somebody basically triggered a series of events um, leveraging various DeFi protocols uh, and, and implementations and was able to abscond with, I think, $600,000, um, which, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have that. You know, we, we've seen that with crypto. We've seen that with really any technology. There's always kind of a, a dark side to it. Um, but I think it was a good reminder kind of early in the life cycle that exactly. we need to we need to be mindful and really think through, you know, what we're doing here. Yeah, I totally agree. I, it's never good for anybody to lose money. And I don't take that lightly, but better now when it's early and the amount of money flowing through it is not what it could be. And it it I think in the coverage that I've heard and seen since, it does seem like people take this stuff seriously and it's a good check against some of the perhaps um, blissfully ignorant, ignorant people that may be building in the space without really thinking about the potential content. So uh, yeah. hopefully we all use that as a wake up call. Definitely. Um, so I, the other thing I will point out and again, because I didn't have context uh, from previous years at East Denver I would, I've heard Unix say that it was perhaps a bit more serious and in a good way than previous years. And I I don't have that benchmark, but it does seem like there were quite a few buttoned up projects. There were, uh, you know, all of the big names that you would expect. And uh, clearly from some of the conversations that we had with some of the people that we interviewed, I really came away from it very impressed and excited. And uh, it was was excited to you know speak to some of the folks in the gaming realm and uh, and actual projects building applications within the DeFi space and they seem to be a lot closer to having products in market that real users and even non crypto native users seem to be uh, getting a hold of and, and you know getting some traction with so that that was very exciting to me. Definitely. Yeah. And I think to your point about um, kind of the vibe of this year. So this is my second year at East Denver. Um, I haven't been at everyone. But I think just comparing last year to this year, I would agree that the vibe was not serious in a, a you know boring or, or uninteresting way. But I think people just really were there to build, which is great, right? That's the whole point. Um, and I think that at least at that point in time, before kind of everything happened with with coronavirus, um, you know, the spirit and the optimism was high and people were really feeling like, you know, we'd taken a bit of a beating with crypto winter and, you know, we'd gone through a phase where it was just kind of the 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 trough of disillusionment and we'd started to find our way out of that. And so I think people were really starting to feel like, okay, this is this is coming around again. Like this technology is going to get its its day in the sun. Um, you know, and ter- I, I do want to shout out to the organizers that incredibly well-run event. I am so blown away by what the ETH Denver crew um, is able to pull off year over year. 
just the sheer amount of coordination that it takes to get that many people into a building, you know, working on things, coordinated, communicate with them, keep them safe, keep them fed, keep it interesting and keep people moving through a weekend of hacking is, you know, hats off to the organizers. Great job. Um, the community would definitely not be where it is without without that crew. Yeah, could not agree more with that. It was as a first timer, uh, it really was extraordinary and excited to see how it evolves and who knows what it will be like next year, given everything that's going on. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Kudos to them. So, Zach, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, you, you were hoping to see a little bit more crypto art at the event um, and maybe some things related to NFTs. But a week after ETH Denver, you and I were in New York for NFT.NYC, which was a smaller show, but I think a, a very interesting event. Um, and we got plenty of that. So I'd love to hear what you thought about NFT.NYC. Yeah, it given that it's a one day event, it obviously had a bit of a different vibe than ETH Denver and doesn't really have a hackathon component, but I really enjoyed it. I was looking forward to interacting with crypto art folks and was pleasantly surprised with some of the gaming projects and even things on the periphery of maybe not projects building crypto games themselves, but things adjacent to them that I think we were both kind of blown away with. And I, there was this one concept where a guy walked through the this concept that they've actually built out and prototyped. And essentially it is to replace things, basically any silly little toys that you might buy at an arcade once you collect enough tickets. Uh, and it's a you know stupid little plastic toy. Instead of having those as giveaways, you could give maybe a little toy that has a uh, QR code with an NFT. And that can be the sort of on-ramp for some of these younger folks to get experience with crypto and seems like one of the most brilliant go-to-market strategies I've ever heard of. And uh, really interesting projects like that, that I found very exciting uh, and really can't, can't wait to see how these things play out. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, in shameless plug at, at Polyant, we're incredibly bullish on NFTs and gaming. We think it's the next turn of the crank for really opening up the aperture for adoption. Um, but I, I personally see so much potential in NFTs for just introducing people to the idea of things like digital ownership, right? Or, or being able to think about assets a little bit differently. Um, I was having a chat with somebody recently and it was like, well, what if you took that concept that you just mentioned of like replacing a trivial, meaningless toy that you win at an arcade with an NFT? But what if there was some sort of economy tied to that and you could actually leverage DeFi, right? So now kids are playing skee-ball and they're winning NFTs that are actually earning interest and maybe going to help them pay for education someday. Like, you know, it's just it's so many cool ways to start bringing these things together in a way that's fun and engaging, but also leverages the real power of the technology behind it. Absolutely. And really, why is that any different than Coinbase Earn? I, I realize that in some cases they're trying to educate people, but surely you can find ways for people to even play game, to gamify learning, perhaps in an arcade so that people can earn crypto. And I, I think there's a lot to that. And yeah, and I I also want to say thank you to the Polyon team. It was really a pleasure to be able to spend some time with the whole crew uh, while we were all at nft.nyc and some of them at ETH Denver as well. And 
Uh, it was also fun to see some of the team and a lot of the panels at NFT.NYC. I thought there was a lot of really compelling discussion, uh, some really fun and interesting and perhaps contentious points uh, for certain panels that made for a good, a good spicy encounter. And it was honestly kind of refreshing to see some of that. And not because I want anyone, like, I don't advocate for real adversarial behavior. I thought it was, I thought it was good, healthy competition and good spirited debate. And I enjoyed hearing that as well. And it was, it was grounded in, you know, a, a, a fundamental perspective of the space, right? So, right. which, which we need more of that, right? It's, weak yeah. ideas and weak opinions are not going to move this space forward. So exactly. I agree. I, I think to the point of, you know, the fun of hanging out with people at the events, it was really cool. So I got to have uh, dinner at the VIP event and sat across the table from Josie, who's a crypto artist, you know, so I've seen her stuff on Super Rare. And it was really cool to sit down and have a conversation with her and hear about her art and the way she approaches the space and thinks about all this stuff. Um, I I scored a T-shirt <laughs> from Coldy, a limited edition um, of Vitalik, which I, I picked up at the show. It's awesome. It's it's my prized possession in the closet. Um, but it's really cool to just you know be there in person with the community, meeting people, talking to people, and just having great conversations. Um, so overall, yeah, I mean, really, really great events. Um, you know, I think that maybe that takes us into the next topic here, which is the community, while very decentralized, I think thrives on in-person events. It thrives on things like hackathons. And we're in a different world now. Um, you know, the impact of coronavirus is unknown at this point. We don't know when things are going to go back to some sense of normalcy. Um, they likely won't ever be the same. Um, but it seems like, you know, everybody feels like in-person events or large gatherings may be off the table for a while, um, whether that's six months, whether that's 12 months, 18 months, nobody really knows. Um, and so let's let's maybe chat a little bit about the impact of, of coronavirus on crypto. So, you know, I think in-person events are one thing that could take a hit. And I'm confident that this community will find a way to bridge that gap with virtual technology. But, you know, what are some of the other maybe second order effects on this industry of coronavirus? Yeah, it's, it is going to be interesting. And I do feel like given the technology and yeah, a tendency for more remote first work and teams and I mean, even the open source software ecosystem, it, it, it tends toward remote first. And so I do think if there is a community that is well positioned to bounce back and adapt to this reality, it's it's going to be the crypto world, but I agree it it is going to be difficult without those in person meetings uh, or uh, events to I think be able to bring some of the strategy together. I think you need the, the these types of in in person events to uh, cohere some of the things and, and just have a different type of interaction. Well, you you know I've I've been a, a remote worker for a long time. I think seven of the past 10 years, I've had some sort of remote position. Um, and prior to that, I was a freelancer, largely working remote. So I've spent a lot of time sort of on the other side of Zoom. And I think one of the things that I always remember when I'm in person with people is just what a high bandwidth uh, a channel in person can be. 
and how much information you can communicate when you're sitting right next to somebody. Exactly. You know, and the and the the ideas are free flowing. There's no barriers to collaboration, and I think we will even as a global society at this point get better at that. But to me, there's still just nothing like sitting down, having a cup of coffee with somebody and chatting through ideas, problems, whatever it may be, and just kind of letting the ideas flow. So yeah. And the, the tools these days are better than ever, but really nothing be- beats a great whiteboard session, as as you know, Nick. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But, yeah. so, so let's let's talk a little bit about maybe another side of, of what's happening in the world for crypto, which is, you know, a lot of projects rely on some measure of investment, you know, whether that's directly from a VC or an angel, or maybe that's from a grant, like, they're getting external funding to try to move things forward. What are your thoughts on on what the impact of the global economy right now is going to is going to have on crypto going forward? I'm very interested to see how this plays out. If I had to place my money, I would say long term is if the global economies end up really spiraling downwards, I, I think it represents an opportunity for crypto in general to become you know different an alternative path to having some economic freedom and everybody talks about Venezuela and Zimbabwe as places where the concept of bitcoin is really appealing well it, it, who knows how the the current circumstances might go i was listening to 60 minutes the other day watching somebody from I think one of the state Fed boards, and he literally said, "We're prepared to print as much money as is necessary. We can do it. We we have unlimited ability to do that." Right. And as soon as I heard that, I just I imagined crypto Twitter uh, blowing a gasket, and it's moments like that where it, it does seem a little bizarre. Like if if you can print as much money as you want. And what is the point of that money? It right, right. is the whole point of it. So uh, I do think it represents an opportunity, but um, I don't know. I think I think projects like that have already raised a war chest and have managed that prudently should be fine. Um, and, and, oh, fact, sure. and, and I think that applies to really any business. And I, I think there are some businesses that have done very well in the past 10 years and have managed their finances well and will weather the storm just fine. I think there are going to be plenty of businesses, even, you know, well-known tech businesses that could be at risk here. You know, things like Uber, things like Airbnb, things yeah. like WeWork that, that are relying on continued cash infusion from venture capital yeah. uh, that just won't be able to, to pull off the revenue to, to keep the doors open or at least not at the same scale. Um, it's kind of to your point, though, about, you know, printing as much money as, as is necessary which is just, it is a bizarre concept. But, you know, I unfortunately, it seems like uh, crypto so far is correlating more with equities than <laughs> than not. Um, and, you know, whether that, whether there's a breakaway point, I don't know. Um, it, you know, you can read all kinds of opinion about, about what's going to happen. Some people think that it'll sink to a certain point and then it'll kind of rebound away from things like equities. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of uptake, I think in the stimulus package, it was interesting to see that there was a, a mild push for a digital payment uh, provision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's one of those situations where what a great use case, right? 
being able to instantly <laughs> or, or in a very short amount of time distribute massive stimulus payments from the government to citizens with some sort of digital payment system. Now, obviously, lots of nuance there, and that has all kinds of potential to go the wrong way. But it, it does kind of bring things, I think, to the forefront in terms of could this be useful for for broader adoption? Yeah. Q reference to Iowa caucuses. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I it is it is very interesting. Um, and we were talking about this. I've been talking about this quite a bit, but it does it, what this whole experience with coronavirus and and how quickly it spread and and also the impact that that's had on the economy. It's made me think a lot about how interconnected and um, overly specialized potentially we are in terms of our global supply chain. And it's almost like the physical um, trade equivalent of, you know, what Bitcoin is a reaction against uh, when it comes to money. And I, I'm very curious to see if what ends up happening out of this is we're almost forced because of you know, these biological reasons to create a more decentralized network and, you know, fortify local nodes in this entire network that is the globalized economy um, and, and really shift the paradigm to uh, have the world economy and the distribution of supplies and goods to become, to, to look a lot more like you know, a decentralized network that's more loosely connected uh, instead of hyper-centralized and therefore poses a lot of uh, centralized risk. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see not only how that plays out, but even how crypto might play a role in that uh, with, you know, we've been tinkering around with these ideas of, you know, influencers having their own currency and, um, I, I wonder if there's some play here for localized currencies leveraging uh, crypto and blockchain rails. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, undoubtedly, there's going to be massive opportunity that comes out of uh, everything that's changing in the world. Um, you know, there's there always is. At anytime there's massive change, there's massive opportunity, and I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to, as a as a community, as a as a industry, we'll be able to give back to being a part of the solution um, by bringing some of these ideas that we've been thinking about for years to the table and saying, well, what about, I mean, maybe, you know, we'll touch on this and then maybe we'll wrap and get to season three. But the thing that I've been watching and I know you've been thinking about quite a bit is how important it is for us to have information about things like location right now, mm. right? Where, where people are moving, where they're going, what the mobility uh, status looks like in any given geographic area. Mm -hmm. And we look at some countries like Singapore and China, and they've been able to actually get a really good handle on movement at the cost of data privacy because mm -hmm. citizens have less choice and, and they have to kind of surrender that information. And, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, obviously, but this could be a great use case for bringing these ideas about data privacy through decentralization to the table and saying, look, we can, we can have a better and a safer world. Um, without giving up our, our information to corporate surveillance. I totally agree. And, and I, in fact, have seen, because I 
I work in this space and pay a lot of attention to this stuff. I've seen several projects. I think there was one out of MIT that is trying to use, I don't know exactly what cryptography principles or um, crypto primitives they're using, but I think the, the concept was to allow mobile phones to store uh, points. It, it, will, it will collect points locally and store them in like the secure enclave in a very uh, highly compressed manner. And only uh, it will leverage cryptography to uh, manage the permissions of who can access that and allow for more globally uh, global collection of that data, but without sacrificing individual privacy. So I am very excited to see how crypto, and when I say crypto, I don't mean just like the cryptocurrency community, but cryptography in general, how it can uh, potentially contribute to exactly what you were describing, a, you know, a, a way that we can kind of have our cake and eat it to leverage this incredible c- technology to collect location data without sacrificing the privacy of individuals. So, Absolutely. No, I, I completely second everything that you're saying. Well, this is a great point to, I think, turn it over to season three. We have some great interviews. We had some great conversations at ETH Denver. You know, just to to give everyone a heads up on this season, this is a bit more free flowing uh, than last season. You know, we were very focused uh, last season on a couple of different aspects of crypto, and, and this opportunity to meet with so many great people at ETH Denver really just, I think, opened up the conversations a bit. And so these are a bit more free flowing. the uh, The audio quality might not be what you've come to expect because they were recorded live and on location. So pardon the background noise, uh, but we think it's it's worth. The, the information you'll get out of the, the conversations. Absolutely. And we recorded all of these interviews in the span of two days at ETH Denver. So, uh, and thank you all to the guests who really came together and were willing to go with the flow. It was uh, a really fun but dynamic event at ETH Denver and everyone rolled with the punches. So we really appreciate it. And we think all of our listeners will really enjoy the things that they had to share. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you in season three. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time. All right.